everybody. Welcome to a special Father's Day recording of episode 22, or as we are going to be calling it, the Dub Deuce episode of Ungrown Ups, because, you know, we from the streets, yo. <laughs> sounds so ridiculous, but I love it. Yeah, I mean, I grew up reading Dub Magazine, and that was a big deal when you could have 20-inch wheels on your car. But it's crazy these days you can get a brand new production vehicle from a German automaker with 23-inch wheels on it stock. Yeah, that's just normal. Yeah, it's insane. And then like, I think the new Escalade, I think, has like 24s on it. Something like that. And it's when 19s is like, you know, the new 17. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. It's insane. You're yeah. Just, it's it's kind of funny in the fact that like the wheels are getting big to the point where it almost looks like chrome wagon wheels. Right. Like we're going like <laughs> all the way back to like, the you know. The old uh, covered wagon kind of uh, wheel setup here. <laughs> There's no rubber. It's just a like a thin coating of paint. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty ridiculous. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I wouldn't buy a car with 24s or whatever because I wouldn't want the expense. Yeah. Like, I, you, you get a blowout and that sucks. Yeah. I've, I've never owned a car with like larger than 20 inch wheels. I mean, I've built plenty of them. I've yeah, worked yeah. on plenty of them, but just yeah. never owned one. And it's it's... From an aesthetic standpoint, it's one thing. It's like, okay, it looks pretty decent. But the thing that always threw me off were the people that spent all sorts of money on the wheels and tires, or usually the wheels, and the tires could be some generic cheap right. rubber. But then they wouldn't spend any money on the brakes. And so well, you're looking right. at stock brakes that are trying to stop this huge amount of rotational mass as these as these wheels are rolling. I always like when it's a really, really, really crappy car. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Like expensive wheels and a stereo. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean... Me being a car audio installer back in the day, those were my customers. I mean, right. that, that was how I made my money. It was putting in stereo systems that were worth more than the car itself. Right. And, you know, sometimes it's it's worth it. I mean, it's... Yeah. I mean, if that's what you enjoy, that's totally cool. I just, you know, that was never my priority. It was like, hey, the, this thing has 17s on it, but I, but will 15s clear the brakes because rally tires come in 15s. Right. What, so. what size tire, wheel and tire did you stick on your 4Runner? Uh, it is a 17, 17 by eight and a half with a two sixty five seventy. I think it is. Is the stock? It's the stock size Stocks, tire. Yeah, yeah. It's a little bit wider because it's a an all terrain. Nice. Now yeah. I, I saw you've been posting some pictures of some boxes you've been receiving for your your car. You got some toys going on it. I did. I got so I got a roof rack from Up Top Overland in Colorado. Uh, I got a light bar. I got some rock lights for it and some some wiring controller stuff just to set it up for for the future. So know? what's the roof rack? Are you going to do one of those rooftop tent things? Eventually, that's the plan. Yeah, for now, I'll still sleep inside of it. But I, with all the other stuff, I think suspension will come before rooftop tent. Um, so eventually, I'd like to get some kings for it, some king coilovers. I've always had them on all my trucks, and they've been... What does that do in terms of ride height? Does it actually change anything, or is it just I won't, more... Of a... I, yeah, I'll probably do like a maybe a one-inch or, you know, at the most, a two-inch lift on it. But it's mostly about getting the thing level, having a, a more uh, robust suspension that can handle some of the garbage. I mean, the truck does amazing now. Right. But because it's, you know, like all things these days, all stock stuff has a bit of a rake to it. Yeah. So I'd like to level it out, eliminate some of the rub. Like even with the, the standard size tire in the front, because it's on that eight and a half, and I think it's a zero offset wheel, it's those uh, 1552 Turbo Mac HDs and Ken Block Bronze, it's called. Woot woot. Yeah, those... Uh, those wheels, because of that offset change, right, cause yeah, a little bit of rub at certain spots. I've got it mostly trimmed out, but it still does it just a little bit. Like at full lock kind of thing? Yeah, at full lock on a, on a right turn. And it's mostly the, like, I think it has to do something to do with the KDSS when, so the, my truck has this thing, it's called Kinetic Dynamic Suspension System. Right. Basically, 
in a nutshell, it acts at certain speeds like the front sway bar is disconnected, even though it's not really technically disconnected. And then over certain speeds, it stiffens it back out, so it drives well, but still, you know, you get articulation out of it. And I think because it's, we'll say, floppier at low speeds, I think that's partly what contributes. Because it doesn't do that when you're, like, driving. So, like, in a parking lot at the mall or something. That's when it does it. Oh, that's when it does it. Okay. Yeah. Like, slow speed into a parking spot. It's like, yeah, just just a little bit. And I thought we had it all trimmed out, but I'll have to go back and revisit that. Yeah. Some people are telling me to take the mud flaps off, but... No, I'm good. Just pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is kind of a, a challenge. Is that when I had my uh, my Toyota pickup, and that's actually what it was called, was a Toyota pickup. It didn't. Yeah. Have, it was the pre Tacoma truck from yeah. Toyota, and I had it lifted. I had a, a Downey suspension three inch uh, lift set up on there, and I, I was running thirty ones, and I would get rub at, at full lock, but I had to trim sheet metal in order to fix that, so I just didn't. I just pounded on it with a sledge to kind right. of move some stuff out of the way and it it worked for the most part but i didn't also have power steering right so the the odds of actually rubbing at full lock were kind of slim to none just because it was so much effort. force yeah right. so much effort right. to get to that point so yeah there's a lot of guys on the forerunners that do they call it like the body chop mod where there's part of the frame that you i guess it's part of the body i don't know i'd have to look but like they cut pieces away and yeah, do yeah. some other stuff and trim bumpers and just put a lift on it and yeah. i'm not going to go to like 35, which some people are trying to run. Yeah. Which is kind of ridiculous. Now, you mentioned you were getting a new garage door at some point, right? Yes. So, you definitely now don't fit. You might fit with the new garage door, but once you put the roof rack on and the lights on, there's no way you're fitting. Correct. So, it is just going to continue to be parked on the street. Yeah. I was impressed with how close the uh, Tahoe parked behind you. Uh, that's how close I backed up to. Oh, okay. Yeah, you were yeah, in control yeah. of that situation. Yeah. This is about an inch between your hitch and yeah. that guy's bumper. No, I backed up because the, uh, the there's a driveway right there, right. and I didn't want to block that driveway. And that guy, it's that guy, and there's a guy in like a gold Silverado or something, and they or a, I don't know, whatever, a Tahoe. But they both park in the most worst imaginable like ways. They park five feet away from the curb, so they're ruining oh, space. Yeah. It just drives me nuts. So that guy was parked... With just enough space. I don't know how he's going to get out. 37-point turn? Probably. The Honda behind him is pretty close, too. Yeah. So, I don't know. <laughs> I'll have to... As long as it doesn't hit me, I should move it, actually. Well, but, I mean, he spot. won't hit you. He'll hit your hitch. Uh, I yeah, I prefer protrudes. he doesn't do that, either. Well, yeah. You know? You don't want to mess up your little decorative hitch cover. That's right. It is. <clears throat> it is very decorative and very dumb. And it was. It came to me via a, uh, a Amazon search for hitch covers and it was like the lamest one that popped up and did you type in just hitch cover or were you typing in like funny hitch cover I don't or remember, truck it, nuts? yeah it was like no it wasn't truck nuts but it was yeah i think it was just yeah just hitch cover and that was one of the ones that came up i'm like this is so if anybody, this has my name all over it i oh, gotta yeah. get it i was like i know how lame this is and i know how much of a jackass this makes me look like i gotta have it it's uh for those of you that played like the circle game growing up, right? Where you make before it little... turned racist in the last yeah, couple of yeah. months. Well, yeah, and apparently it's only racist if you hold it the other way. If you hold it with your fingers pointing up, I yeah. think it's racist. Okay. But if your so fingers are down. Fingers it's... down below your waist is still okay, apparently. Yeah. Uh, so it's just like a, a drawing of a hand. Yeah, and, and it so when you look at it, and you're like, oh asshole. Yeah, and it makes me laugh. And then people see it and they're like, God, that's douchey. Yeah, and then they laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was following a forerunner the other day, and I snapped a picture of its license plate because I sent it to you because it was a uh, mall runner. Yeah. Although we weren't sure if it was Hispanic, and it could be just 
bad runner if mall was like malo mall but the fact that runner was in english yeah i doubt it yeah it was m-a-l-r-u-n-r malnutrition runner it could be yeah could be maybe they're just out to get some vitamins maybe but it also had like a sparkly bejeweled license plate mm-hmm. so it could literally have been a Definitely mall a runner, mall runner. Yeah. yeah i do want to make uh some mall rated stickers some forerunner ones but i, I haven't gotten it <laughs> you have the uh why why sticker you have the 3d printer i mean you could actually literally create make, like an emblem yeah yeah i could print a hitch cover that's shaped like uh like a, fingers or make a mall rated hitch cover there you go. Yeah. The problem is I've yeah, I have to go back and recalibrate the 3D printer because it has uh, been having some issues. How do you calibrate it? Yeah, you do like a lot of like send X amount of filament through and then you measure and make sure that that's feeding it the right thing. Like basically print like right. a one inch by one inch cube and then see if it kind actually of. measures out to an inch. Yeah, and then you have to, yeah, exactly. So you measure the cube, you've got to measure the flow rates and a bunch of other crap and it's just, you know, I'll get to it. Is that like normal maintenance for a 3D printer thing? Like every 3,000 miles or whatever the uh, it's whatever something interval that is? A lot of people say you should do right off the bat, and I didn't do it because my printer printed really well right yeah. off the bat. But because well, you assume after, it was inspected at the factory kind of thing. <laughs> you assume so, but yeah. apparently some people get ones that just barely work. So after like, oh, I don't know, it was, uh, and things got hundreds of hours. I mean, it was yeah. running for weeks straight. Making those mask parts, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So after that, I think it, it finally was like kind of loosening up a little bit and needs some calibration. But I've also noticed the filament that's in it now is snapped, which means that it uh, probably has too much moisture in it. So it's probably not going to be any good. Too much moisture. Is that like a environmental thing? Yeah. So the the filament that, especially before you print with it, it's really tend it tends to collect and uh, collect humidity basically. Okay. So it's humid at all. It it gets and then it doesn't print well and yeah. So I don't know. I, I anyways, that's way too much talk about three D printing intricacies of uh, adjusting my printer. But I'll get around to it someday. Someday. In a, in a couple of months. Yeah, but I'm going to have a plotter. I'll just make stickers. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You don't have to yeah. calibrate anything on that. Well, no, not anything that hasn't been <laughs> calibrated already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah your 486 computer is all dialed in oh, and ready man. to go. That poor computer barely runs the plotter. So, I can't hook it up to the internet. I have to use a USB drive to get anything from, you know, files to it. Why can't you hook it up to the internet? Is your modem literally like a dial-up modem kind of thing? It doesn't have Ethernet? or It has Ethernet, but it's so old and it's so, like, none of the program stuff, if anything tried to update, it would just destroy itself. Oh, nice. Yeah, so I'm going to not do that. Yeah. And I didn't know when I bought it, well, when I bought the plotter, they didn't have a version that ran on the Macintosh. And a week later, they came out with the version on Mac. And I said, can I exchange this? And they said, no, sir, you cannot. And I said, that's rude. Yeah, that is kind of a dick. Yeah, it's dumb. Dumb dumbs. Oh, well. Oh, well. That's all good. They'll never get any more of your money in the future. Uh, No, they've already gotten the, yeah, yeah, exactly. the correct amount of money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to add any more to that. No, no, no. So, uh, But, yeah, back to the rack thing real quick. Yeah, I mean, eventually rooftop tent and, you know, just kind of starting to get all that stuff together. But eventually I have to install it all, too. Yeah. And it's it's crazy, the, the whole overlanding accessory game, I guess. I mean, there's all sorts of shit you can get for... What's also crazy is the amount of money this stuff costs, right? Like, uh, I was looking at bumpers, which I don't really need necessarily, but a front bumper is like $3,200. Can somebody explain this to me? Why? It doesn't make any sense. The rear bumpers are like four grand with swing outs. 
That is kind of nutty. It's crazy. The swing out's like it because you have to have bearings and all kinds of other stuff, right? Yeah. But a front bumper that is literally just a metal replacement bumper. Well, and, and you're trying to think, okay, from a material standpoint, it's not like it's four grand worth of material. No. You can from find a, like a $1,700 front bumper. From a labor standpoint, even if you're paying the dude 100 bucks an hour, it wouldn't... A couple hours of well Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, so what's what's the... Well, you got to figure out, like, what's the profit margin on something like that? Yeah, you know, because no, obviously yeah. from from the manufacturer to the distributor, it's probably going to be, like, 30, 30, 40 points. Right. And then from the distributor to the the retailer, there's some margin. Well, most of the stuff is, like, direct, right? All these, it's all these overland and whatever companies. You just buy it through their Instagram page kind of thing? Yeah, you just buy it for their, their shop page. Yeah. But what's, what's interesting is how ugly a lot of them are. I mean, they're just, like... We're trying to be extreme, and like so, their know, pricing is extreme. I guess, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There, there's a, this one company that makes a ladder, and like rather than just make it look like a ladder that goes on the hatch, right? Like they had to have like these crazy like cutouts, and it just it's like, like over engineered, over complicated. It, it's and, not even that it's over complicated. It's like the, it's like the um, tribal uh, artwork style of oh. the overlanding world. It's just weird. So. I don't know, whatever. Um, you know, the, it's so you can get a, a, a fridge from ARB, right? Which is, you know, exactly what it sounds like. It's a basically an electric cooler, essentially. Yeah. Uh, you can get one from ARB for it's eleven hundred dollars. Holy shit! There's a company online or that you can buy off Amazon, and they're called something else. I don't, I don't remember what they're called, but anyways, three hundred and fifty dollars for the basically the same thing. BRA. Yeah, right. I guess the compressor is a little bit different, but for the most part, the the thing itself is... But I mean, doesn't like Coleman and Igloo make like a cigarette lighter powered ice chest that you can just plug into the 12 volt power port and do the same thing? Yeah, I mean, that's basically what it is. Costway, that's the company. But what there, makes these so special? Are they bigger or are they just kind of like that ruggedized... What's that um, hipster cooler company? Oh, Yeti? Yeah. Is no. it like that kind of aesthetic? No, they're just, I don't know, fridges... Oh. The car refrigerator. It's like basically the same thing. So yeah. Like this. We're Interesting. Look, yeah, we're looking at it on the internet right now. And it's just a... It's got an LCD display. Maybe that's what you're paying for. Maybe? But yeah, that, that just seems fascinating. I mean, how do you justify a thousand bucks for a refrigerator when you can just buy a cheap cooler and blocks of ice? Well, okay. So that one actually, on for me, is is easy one. So on multi-day trips, like the cooler that I have already so i can get to get a better cooler is about five six hundred dollars right right i can get a fridge the cooler that i have now you know the ice stays as long as stuff's closed and i, I freeze other things so yeah, it right. acts as ice right but always you're gonna end up with a few inches of water in the bottom stuff gets wet yeah. like this is just a more convenient way to like for multi-day trips especially to have stuff stay cold but how is that running i mean it, it's, it's plugged in 12, 12 volt. volt right but if your engine's not running you're sapping power out of your battery yeah so it'll run the battery and then it has the thing where once if the battery drops below a certain That's voltage it kicks it off it also has um i saw a guy made it's pretty cool actually he made a i don't know what he used like an old rc car or something made a rechargeable battery pack that charges off the 12 volt in his truck and then that runs the cooler overnight okay that makes which sense. is pretty cool yeah, yeah so there's a lot of different ways to do it there's a you know but you i mean can, how I mean, what are these overlanding adventures going for? Is this longer than a weekend trip? Because I would think just for a, a three-day thing, you'd be fine with ice, right? There's a lot of people that are gone for like a month or two. Shit. Living in their car for a month? Yeah. That's a... That doesn't sound like... 
<laughs> I guess. I mean, I don't know. I lived off the, a motorcycle for two months, so. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But you had a tent and you, yeah, but I mean, yeah. Well, yeah, but then you have a car you can sleep in. Right. And then if you have a rooftop tent, you still have it, like, it's yeah. nice, you know. It's not, it's not like you're going out and, like, putting the front seat back as far as you can and just, like, miserably back, sitting yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's way more comfortable. I mean, I, I do think that a lot of the stuff is kind of ridiculous. Um, to be honest with you, there's just... <laughs> the amount of money you can spend is is friggin' infinite. There's a, a company that I saw on Instagram the other day. They have a 25000 and that's not a mistake in my words, $25,000 rooftop tent. What the fuck? Yeah, I don't know. It's made out of carbon fiber. Okay. And it's got... Jesus. Yeah, I mean, I other no than idea. maybe it's lighter, so therefore it doesn't negatively impact the center of gravity of the vehicle, but at the same time, it's still a rooftop tent. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's a clamshell type, but yeah. it's still 25 grand or something like that. That's insane. I did see one that's pretty rad that the tent itself is designed to be, it basically replaces your roof rack. So instead of having a roof rack and then mounting a tent on top of that, this thing hard mounts to the roof and acts as a roof rack. So you can bolt other stuff to the top of it. And it's so low profile, it sits only like two inches off the roof. Huh. You actually have to take the antenna off, off the truck and bi- and put one of those flat antennas. But that's pretty impressive. I mean, two inches off the off the roof, so yeah, it's a overall it's overall like five inches tall or something like that, six inches tall. Interesting. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So, are you doing most of your overlanding product research on Instagram, or are you no, on no, some no, Forerunner no, no. forum thing? Or? For oh yeah, there's a Forerunner forum. There's uh, just regular internet searches, learning about different companies. My buddy's Joey. Uh, hi, Joey. In Colorado, he's all into Forerunner, so he we've talked about a few things. He's actually the one that pointed me to up top for the uh, the rack. Do That's one of the nicer the, looking ones too. Do they also do the tent thing since they're up top? <laughs> no, but they do have like they had brackets, so I have an awning that'll go on the rack. You get brackets for that, some other stuff. So they wow. do a lot of accessories. Uh, they do did some wiring stuff. I got the light bar from right. them, some other things. So yeah, yeah, it's cool. Interesting. Yeah. Eventually, you know, I mean, my plan is to have this thing be a second vehicle eventually. And so it'll be my, my camp rig. Well, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, you, you're putting money into it that you're really never going to get back. Right. Because when you try to sell it, you're not, you're, you'll get... Nobody wants it. Yeah. 30% yeah. of what you paid, if that. On right. The well, and it's, it's always the thing. Like when you... It, it cracks me up when people are like, I did all this stuff to my Civic and it's fucking bitching. You're like, yeah, but it's all the stuff you, you like. wanted. Nobody yeah. wants that. And it's it's the other thing is it's it's hard because, I mean, I, I'm a a fan of vehicle customization or personalization yeah. and making it yours. But at the same time, you have to realize that nobody really wants your taste. Right. And part of that reason, I guess, is you can't really trust that it was done properly. You know, like with some of the stuff, the modifications, like you were talking about earlier before, you know, having to cut the body or cut the frame right. for clearance, right? If some guy's doing that in his driveway, you really kind of want to make sure he cut the right thing and didn't overcut or that he actually, you know, primered the 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 bare metal to prevent rust from, right. in, you know, forming and stuff like that. So it is it is kind of a, a challenge. And, and in some ways, it's like, I don't mind if it's tastefully modified. Like if they do a couple of things that, like wheels and tires, yeah. simple suspension mods. Like, all right, I can live with that. But if somebody went as far as doing like a full on, you know, air ride suspension or like you know a, a full on lift kit, then I I, I start getting a little weary because you don't really know how well it was done. And no, you, unless you get it from somebody that's a friend or you know the person. The person knows them really well right, or right. whatever. Yeah, yeah. 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 The, the wheels and tires even are so personal. 
Yeah. To somebody that like, what, I don't know. If somebody, if I was going to buy a car and somebody put chrome wheels on it, I would be baffled would be a good word. But it definitely wouldn't be my taste, right? So right. that would have to go. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. But I mean, would you question their, because of their poor taste in picking up chrome wheels, do you think you would question their ownership history of the vehicle? 100%. If like, you've made that choice, you're what taking other this poor into Jiffy Luber. Yeah. yeah. Oh, for sure. Speaking of Jiffy Luber, <laughs> I was uh, I was picking up uh, glasses like because of this whole COVID thing. Like our optometrist sent a postcard right at the beginning of COVID, and so we're like, oh sweet, we need to get new glasses, get yeah. our eyes checked. So we we set up an appointment, and then like they're like, oh yeah, we're already closed because of this. And we're like, oh, all right. So then three months later, they sent out postcards again, and so we're like, okay, they must be open. So we finally. Go in, get our eyes uh, checked, and my prescription didn't change. Jeanette's did, but we wanted to get glasses. But while we're going to get glasses, in the same shopping center is one of those like um, privately owned like uh, mini garage, quick lube kind of places. And there was a Viper parked out front. It's not a Jiffy Lube. Not a but Jiffy it's Lube. Like, it's like a Jiffy It's lube. like that. It's, yeah, it's yeah, one yeah. of those quick lube and tune like, like kind of places. Gyms tune it up. Right, right. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, they, they do alignments. They do smog. They do oil yeah. changes. And they can do probably some other deeper uh, repairs but they had a viper there nice. and it was kind of cool but at the same time it's like i don't know if i own that vehicle if i would take it to that establishment where would you take your viper i would I, you know what? that's a good question you're gonna go to the dealer no I, I i think i would try to find out some some specialist yeah you know some people you know specialize like um in european cars or specialize in japanese car repair or something like that you know finding somebody that was maybe more of a Mopar kind of oriented business. Just, I mean, granted, it's a truck-based V10, so it's not like it's super complex or, you know, complicated. But at the same time, it just seems so strange going to, like, a a quick lube place to get your car worked on. You would probably go to uh, GMG. Yeah. Or somebody is like, you know, Viper Hut or some, you know, cool, sick-sounding name. Well, G- GMG is, uh, they do Porsche race prep stuff, and then I'm pretty sure they've done ACR stuff, too. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, I, I shouldn't be one to talk because I actually used to go to that same quick loop place. For what? To get oil changes, but I would buy the oil and filter. I'll bring it with you. And bring it with me and give it to them because right. they only charge me 15 bucks. Oh, that's not bad. Because by the time I would get the car jacked up, get underneath it, drained. Oh, and yeah, all it's a stuff, pain. Yeah, it ends up being yeah. like a two-hour ordeal for right. a, a simple oil change. Right. Whereas I could drive in and in thirty minutes, done. And they did it with my with my uh, mobile one oil and filter. Yeah. So I'm like, all right. Oh, I'm never opposed to letting somebody else do it if you don't have to. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's easy enough, right? Um, so speaking of Vipers, though, we were talking a little bit before we started recording about kind of like dream cars and things like that. And the Viper, Vi- original GTS. Yeah, the coupe. Yeah, the original coupe in blue and white is on my list. With and the side pipe so you can burn your ankles. Well, yeah. It's part know. of the ownership experience. They're they're still relatively affordable. Yeah. They're they're about I've seen some low mileage examples for in the thirties. That's what's it's it's nuts. And you can even get the the actual soft top, the the, the roadster right. versions for, for even less. less. Yeah. But those things are typically abused from what I've seen. I don't know if they're abused. I just don't think they, they wear well, so they all look like they've been beat on just because Got it. it's that's the Chrysler reliability from the early 90s. Right. You know, the plastics kind of crumble. and Yeah, I, I mean, I, I was looking the other day. 96 GTS in blue, $32,000 with something like 6,000 miles on it. Oh, shit. 
That's like, almost sometimes low mileage is even a worry. It is a worry. It is definitely a worry in certain uh, certain instances. But this one, I mean, the car looked super clean. It was in Florida or something weird, but on the list of cars to own one day. Yeah, if I ever get the ability to do it, yeah, uh, that will definitely be because so, I have I've driven and they're it's so much fun to drive. They're yeah, scary as hell. I've worked on a couple of them installing car stereos and stuff back in the day, um, and they are just behemoths they're yeah. just beasts and they're scary like yeah. they're so much power no traction control no nothing my I, buddy had abs i think that's it yeah i yeah. think that's it my, yeah. my buddy had the dodge ram truck that was the same color combo it was the blue with the white stripes was it was it one of the srt yes 10s or whatever yes yeah with the with the manual mm-hmm. with the v10 and that thing was insane and uh i met him when i was working at a gas station in high school he was a younger kid, and of course, his parents had money, so yeah. he got a truck because it was seen as a truck and not as a sports car, even though it had a V10, and right. it was kind of gnarly. And um, he ended up, I don't know if he wrecked it, he crashed it uh, in damp weather. He basically slid Oof. and spun, um, and I think he ended up hitting the side. I don't think it was totaled, but he ended up you know, doing some damage to that thing just because it was too much power, yeah. not enough traction kind of scenario. Way back in the day, we were checking out a Viper over in Costa Mesa, the, the Dodge dealer there, when they first came out. And the guy, the sales guy's like, hey, sorry, guys, we got to take the take it and get it prepped for pickup. I'm like, oh, that's cool. We'll just walk around anyways. We're looking at some other stuff. Yeah. The This car pulls up, and it's grandparents and a kid that can't be more than 16. And the Super kid pumped. was getting it? Yep. Oh, shit. We were all like, there's no way that's the, that. No, yeah. They're coming to pick up a neon or something. And sure enough. His kids, so found out later, anyways, long story short, find out later the guy made it like four blocks down the street and totaled it. And he probably got another Viper a week later. He did. Yeah, I knew, uh, you hear these stories, and like when I went to high school, I went to high school in a pretty nice suburb area. I mean, it wasn't like like Beverly Hills by any means, but relatively upper middle class. Um, And yeah, you would hear stories, you know, the kid got a brand new Civic, wrecks it, and then next week he's got another brand new Civic. Yeah. Kind of thing. Um, but I, I worked at a, at a gas station uh, my senior year of high school, and there was a, a private Catholic school down the street. So the high school kids would come through. Yeah. Some of them were driving their parents' cars, like you could tell. But some of them, it was... Was it like modern day? No, this was uh, Santa Margarita Catholic. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so uh, these these kids would be driving around like in a Hummer H1, and it was his car. Right. Like, that was actually his vehicle. Because he would bring in his dad's Porsche or his mom's like Benz or something like that. And it was kind of insane. Like, I know when like Grayson gets to be the age where he can drive, I don't want to get him something no. that he doesn't have any sweat equity in. Get him a slap box he's got, or like a shit box he's got to fix. Yeah. I mean, get, you get, you him, want, get you him a car when he's 14 that he likes and he's got to put work into it to right. make it work. That's exactly right. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that sweat equity. Either he saved up his money to put some money into the vehicle right. or, you know, it's a shit box and he had to work on it for two years to get it into a decent you know, right. running condition. Right. But at least that way there's that sense of ownership rather than the sense of entitlement. Whereas right. he, if it breaks, he just goes, whatever, not my problem. Yeah. So we were trying to figure out what that is. He's got expensive taste because he's been playing Forza. Mm. And so, you know, what was this? Maybe about two years ago, his request was his first car. He wanted a, FDRX7 with a Rocket Bunny kit on it. Oh, yeah, no problem. Yeah, that's a $50,000 car yeah. minus the body kit right, now right, these right. days. Um, and so, of course, his, his taste changes based on whatever car he's playing in the game. Yeah. 
But uh, right now, uh, Jeanette and I, we're, we're looking at picking up like a, a kind of like a fun car because we have practical cars for daily living, daily driving. Right. But Jeanette always wanted a Corvette. And so, like a uh, C, I don't know. Like Corvette. a C7, like, okay. you know, last gen or C6. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but basically a, a modern Corvette. And I, I brought one home one day and I took her for a ride in it and scared her with it. And she's like, nope, don't want a Corvette anymore. <laughs> so the Corvette's off the list, but she's always kind of had an eye on Porsche. And so our neighbor picked up a used Porsche Boxster. It was his customers and the customer, he does some work with some various automotive shops. And the guy was basically closing up his shop and moving to Colorado or something like that. And he was walking my neighbor through the garage saying, okay, I got to get rid of this. I got the CNC, this mill. Cause yeah. the guy made parts and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, oh, and I got to get rid of this Porsche. And he's like, oh, how much do you want for it? And he's like five grand. All right. So my, my neighbor writes a check right then and there. He's like, I'll take it. Yeah. So it's an 04 Porsche Boxster. And so he just got it and he just throws the keys to Grayson and I. So we took it for a joy ride. And so now my wife wants a, Porsche Boxster. Yeah. And so we're looking, but my wife can drive a stick, but because she wants to drive it more often than not, she's looking for an automatic. So then we're like, all right, if we got to get an automatic, I don't want to do that whole conventional slush box kind of experience. Right. So now we're looking at the the PDK Porsches, which is their their dual clutch uh, paddle shifted um, automatic. And so those started becoming available in 2009 as an option. And I think it was standard for the automatics, I want to say in 2010 or something like that. So now we're kind of looking at that. Yeah. And it, you know, that's what the whole conversation started about is that's kind of like, if you, if you want to get into the Porsche game, the Boxster is really your cheapest way of doing it. I mean, you can get a Boxster for three grand. I mean, for the price of Miata, right. you can have a Porsche. Yeah, I, but I, I don't know. But My- maintenance you're going to be paying more for maintenance than oh, you would for, sure. for, for the Miata. Maintenance is going to kill you. And I don't know. The Boxster's never really done anything for me. Um, I prefer the Cayman. I do too. But the Cayman still has a premium over the Boxster, even right. though mechanically they're identical. Right, right, right. So I think just for the, the, the greater value, I mean, my wife does like convertibles. Right. So there's no downside really to, to having a Boxster over a Cayman. It's just at this point, we're just playing the waiting game. We're just like, okay. How much under twenty grand can we get a Boxster for that has decent, decently low miles, like, you right. know, fifty, sixty k, you know that that has, or that ha- that is in in decent shape, and you know it's the other challenge is all the Porsches we've seen they either black or silver, they're all just so boring in terms of color. Yeah, and all anything that was a weird color is going to be somebody that special ordered it. And, yeah, and they're probably not going to get rid of it. Yeah, or it's it's a GT four, right. you know, it's it's the higher end, the Spider. Right. So those are still like seventy, eighty grand, uh, even five, ten years used. So, right. but we're not in any rush. So it's just I, I have a couple of searches running, and I've really started using a, a website called Auto Tempest, mm-hmm. which when you do a, a search for there, it it searches like I want to say like six other websites all at once. Right. So it's a search aggregator. And it brings you the results and it shows you, you know, it's on cars.com or it's on all these different websites. So you can kind of browse through. So I've been doing that, looking for both uh, either the the Cayman or the Boxster, going back and forth. There's one uh, There's one that'll do it for, it'll aggregate all the searches for uh, Craigslist as well. Yes. Yeah, yeah, which is super cool. Yeah, and, and this one you can, it won't run the search when you get, click search, but there's a link and it says search Craigslist. Right. When you click on that, it automatically oh, populates that. it for you. Right. But it opens up in a new browser window. Which is 
I mean, Craigslist is great, except for the fact that you have to search one thing at a time normally. So it's a total pain in the ass. It's a pain in the ass. And the other thing I think that that is a challenge, too, is you have the dealerships that spam Craigslist nonstop. So you're looking at a single vehicle, but it's, you, you know, you're looking for a Porsche Boxster, yeah, and you see thirty-seven Porsche Cayennes, uh, right? You know, listed, right? And it's the same image, but they change the word, like, and so it's just a whole bunch of duplicate listings, and you're like, I don't care about that. Yeah, you've got to get pretty fast at scrolling through and kind of yeah. just seeing and what's the, what. And then the other challenge is like, it's there's pros and cons. But one, it's like, okay, do I want a privately owned? You know, do I want to go buy it from the owner, or do I want to deal with the dealer? I guess it depends on I mean, if you find the right car. Right. right, I think I, th- I think it matters at, at that point because yeah, we don't need to finance it either way. Right, it's just a question of okay, at least with the dealership, there might be a chance to haggle. Right, private party, you can try to haggle, but sometimes they don't have as much patience for it. So it's like you don't know. Right, and so it, it's kind of hit or miss. But anyway, so we're just we're just searching, and if the right one comes along, then sweet. If not, whatever. Yeah, I I have been a Porsche fan since I was a child. I've had the opportunity a couple times to own them. And it's never been good timing. So I've always just been, which which sucks because there was at one point I had a really smoking deal on an old 911. Oh, yeah? And I just had nowhere to put it. And now they're, you know, six-figure cars. So I, I kick myself. But that being said, I, I will, the, you know, like everybody's got that kind of like dream car. I want a 71 or prior 911. Now, what's, the, what's, out. what's the 71 cutoff get you? Like why seventy one prior? I just like those old water or those old air cooled. Like they're just beautiful cars. Yeah. There's just nothing. There's not. It's kind of an arbitrary date to be honest with you, because into the mid seventies are still really cool. Right. There's just something about those early cars that I just think is so freaking neat. They are a little daintier, I guess. They're, yeah, there's just, like a mystique to them too. They're simpler. They're, yeah. They're not. They they haven't really started bulking up yet. Right. They don't really have all the big extraneous stuff like the no big wing right. rail tail or anything like that. So. I mean, even a 912 would be a fun car. Yeah. 912s are fun. And, it just, and I guess the biggest difference is the fact that it's a flat four rather than a flat it's six. Just, yeah, it's a narrow body car. Yeah. Yeah. But it's still a fun car. Well, and I, would feel, I wouldn't feel terrible about taking an old 912 and building like an RS clone out of it or something or right. putting modern running gear under it. I mean, I would love to own a Singer. <laughs> yeah. But I'm not going to spend a half a million dollars on a car. Yeah, but when you have you seen any in person? Yeah, it's amazing just the, the the level of detail on every single attribute of those cars. They're I mean, insane. It's and it's it's amazing. It's it's I don't know how to explain it. If you're not into cars, it it doesn't seem like it sounds like much. But I mean, everything is painstakingly obsessed over. Like I mean, when you look at the interior, like. All the if you have like a pattern across the seats, the seams on the pattern match all the way up. All the screw heads are oriented in the exact same way. They'll even custom cast and make their own bolt hardware that has the Singer logo on the bolt head. And when they torque the bolt down, it's oriented so that you can read Singer properly across every fastener in the vehicle. Like it's just the this obsessive level of detail. Did you see? Oh God, what car is it? I think it's the gold one but the seats are uh woven leather and they're like uh not you know it's like five different colors that they've woven together they're freaking amazing like just the, that kind of stuff like the detail to the hand-built pieces like it's and almost- it's interesting because if you put a, a, a real 911 next to a singer 
which is based on a 911, you the realize, body panels aren't the same. Right. How much Nothing about the car. Yeah. Nothing about that car is the same. And it's and it's and it's really one of those things where it, it truly is a a piece of art. Right. You know, it I mean, yeah, you can drive it and some of them do get driven, but just the amount of fabrication and just obsession with stuff that you would never think about is just kind of fascinating. But I think that's one of the issues with Porsche ownership otherwise is the fact it's an expensive club to get into. Yes. And so for the Boxster, you're like, all right, you know, it's, it's, you can get something in the, you know, decent, like in the 13, 14, 15,000 mile range or mile range, uh, 13, 15,000 dollar range, um, you know, for like a 2006 to a 2008 or nine Boxster may have a little more miles on it. And I think that's, that's the thing is that it's that balancing act of trying to get something with a decent amount of miles on it, but not too little. Because I think the other thing that, that weirds me out is, that, okay, if the car is 10 years old, but it's got less than 50,000 miles on it, that's less than 5,000 miles a year. Is that really enough to keep all the engine bits lubricated and all the seals happy and all the hoses, you know? Probably. It's probably okay. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, get, the, I get weirded out thinking that everything's just dry. Especially when you when the car's been sitting for months and all the oils seep down into the block, right? So when you do that yeah. initial crank to start it, you're starting kind of dry. Are those, are those sumps, though? Are those dry sump cars? I don't know. I don't know either. Yeah, I have no idea. I don't really know a lot about the boxers, to be honest with you. Yeah. So. But I think you're, I mean, no matter what, you know, you're, you're every car is going to have something to it, right? And it's a used car. You're going to have to accept right. that there's going to be some little stuff. So and that's the other find, thing is... Find something you like. Right, and right. go for it that way. Yeah. The one thing I find interesting is when you look at these sites, uh, especially with like Auto Tempest and some of these other sites, they'll show you the the um, Carfax history or or whatever, the, the, the history of the vehicle ownership. Right. And some of these cars, they're five owners and you're all shit it's only like six years old why does it have five owners yeah, that's like always weird to me like what was it a, a lemon law car and then th- they just couldn't like the thing was always broken yeah what how do you have that many owners in such a short amount of time or if it is it considered an owner because of, okay it was owned by the bank it was a lease then it got traded in and then every time like the title changes oh, hands yeah. like it just assumes it's a new owner or they're saying that, like, if I leased it and my name and the bank are on it, that's two owners, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, because yeah, some of that, it's like, it seems kind of high um, for for what it is. Like, there was one we were looking at. It was a 2006 uh, Porsche Boxer that was for sale in uh, Brea, yeah. California. And it was, it only had, like, twenty six or 29,000 miles on it for a 2006. So, it's a 14-year-old it's a car, and it's, like, under 30,000 miles. And then I looked it up. It, was, it had... I think four or five owners, and it's like, how could That's so weird. many people own it but not, not put any miles it, on yeah. it? That is weird. There, there are some cars where, like, yeah, they were definitely just baby gems, and that's okay, right? Where they're really low miles, people drove them to the grocery store or whatever. Like a little old lady had it and took, yeah. took it to the grocery store, and that's it. But for the most part, yeah, I, I do share some reservations with you around these super low mile older cars. It's weird, like you see. Uh, you know, a lot of these collector cars or what I guess people would consider collector cars go through like Barrett Jackson and stuff and you see cars that have, they're 40 years old and they have two miles on them Yeah, or six miles. Like, how is that even possible? I've got a buddy that's got a shop out in uh, Scottsdale. And so he works, he does a lot of the restaurant mod stuff. Like he's in yeah. that scene and he's worked on several cars that were purchased at auction from Barrett Jackson and they're just the biggest pieces of shit. 
Like the body is just rusted through. Right. But because of the Bondo, because of the paintwork, it rolls across the stage looking quite nice. Yeah. The owner buys it, not realizing it's a hunk of shit underneath. And they go, oh, you know, can you tweak this or can you add this? And so my buddy goes in there, starts tearing the car apart and realizes that it's literally held together with Bondo and paint. Yeah. And has to basically start from scratch in some of these cases. And it's just like, I don't know if I would ever buy a vehicle through Barrett Jackson simply because of what I have seen his shop have to go through. Yeah, I mean, I probably would if I was able to do enough of my due diligence. But right? I don't know how but, you can on a car, because like, you can't drive the car. It's just sitting there. You can yeah. walk by and look at and it. And I don't. Right? I mean, I'm sure they wouldn't let you magnet the paint. Probably not. Yeah, that would piss them off. Yeah. Yeah. So Because they do have Bondo gauges. Yeah, which is basically just seeing how strong the magnet yep. is attracted yeah, to the yeah, steel yeah. underneath. <clears throat> so that, I mean, yeah, the, to your point, though. I, it, but it's, it's anything, right? If you see... The guy down the street that has this pretty decent looking Mustang, like, but is it the, is it though? But the guy down the street, more likely than not, is going to let you take it for a test drive. Well, sure, sure, sure. Right, but, or maybe let you take it to get it independently inspected by a, a yeah, mechanic or but something. But he also might not tell you about all the shitty Honda work. True, right. So there are a lot of like those quick flip cars out there. Yeah, um, I do. Uh, what's oh god? What are those guys? Ring Brothers. Speaking oh, yeah. of kind of old muscle car stuff, those guys do some pretty sick stuff too. They're yeah, and it's kind of the same level of singer, you know, the obsession yep. for detail. And they, they but they go further, I guess, in the customization. Right. Where singer, everything appears to kind of be original. Right. But just well refined, sort of and like thought a, out, reimagined, if you will. Right, right. Right. Whereas Ring Brothers will just start with a clean slate and just totally like reinvent the wheel and make something radical well and it's cool that they're doing a lot of i mean this is we were talking about doing this stuff way back in the day when it was just cost prohibitive but they're doing like full carbon body mustangs like some freaking cool stuff it's all yeah. the stuff that if i had all that money like an unlimited amount of funds when i was younger it's the stuff i would want to build yeah and the crazy thing now is like with websites like bring a trailer and stuff and uh, doug demuro has a new site yeah. an auto auction site says like cars and bids yeah because we need another auction site doug but it is kind of a nice thing because yeah. Bring a Trailers kind of price themselves out of the market. By, and by so, the way, I'm just being sarcastic. Yeah. It, it is a good venture and I wish you luck. Yeah. and uh, But I mean, literally like in the last, what, two weeks, a Honda Civic SI went for 50 grand on Bring a Trailer. That's insane. Did you see that Z that sold for like a half a million dollars? I'm stupid. Yeah. So it, it's the, the thing I find fascinating is the, the fact that people who are age, people that grew up in the 90s, um, you know, that, that now have disposable income are going after those cars that they wanted when they were in high school. Right. And so Supras, the, the FDR X sevens, um, you know, cars of that type are just getting more and more sense of the civic SI. But even when a lot of that stuff started to get popular, it wasn't as cost prohibitive because you were still doing the legwork. There wasn't, right. people weren't putting it on, bring a trailer. And now everybody in the nation, or I guess the world technically is bidding on these cars and they're going over what they should. Right. And I think because of the, the high visibility of it right now, that if you've got like a piece of shit civic SI that you want to sell, you see that a clean one sold for 50 grand. So you're going to ask 30 for yours. Yeah, right. And you're like, no, 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 no. Yours and it is screws it. everything up. Right. So on the one hand, I think bring a trailer is great because it puts everything in one spot. On the other hand, I think bring a trailer sucks because it's really, really driven up prices for everything. Yeah, the whole idea behind the name bring a trailer was you were buying somebody else's like incomplete project. Yeah, right. You need because it wasn't a runner. You needed a trailer to pick it up. Right. Now you're looking at cars that are like pristine, perfect, perfect right. condition, and they even have a I can't remember what they call it, but they're doing like million dollar cars on that site. So it's, you know, like a Bugatti Veyron yeah. will go up for auction on uh, on Bring a Trailer. And it's just insane. 
but the other thing I found interesting is, you know, people speaking of people like in our generation that, that now are more well to do and are buying stuff from the nineties. Did you see the news? Uh, what was it yesterday or the day before? Um, Kurt Cobain's guitar from MTV unplugged went up for auction no. and it sold. So the guitar that he used for the MTV um, yeah. unplugged right. episode played the guitar, only that guitar for the entire album basically right. for that. Any idea how much it sold for? What would you pay for a Kurt Cobain? What would I pay for Martin it? acoustic guitar? Hundred bucks. Uh, I don't know, maybe a couple thousand, but I'm guessing I'm I'm way off. It sold for six million dollars. Get out of here. Yeah, it it was one of like something like three hundred Martin guitars built, and then because Kurt Cobain was left-handed, it was modified for left-hand use, which made it even rarer than that right. three hundred. But then, of course, because of the Kurt Cobain Association, yeah, yeah, six million dollars. But then what do you do with it? Do you even try to play it? Like, are you playing Wonderwall when you're drunk at a party? Probably. Hey, check it out. Yeah. I'll play Stairway. I don't... That's super weird to me. There's, There yeah. are people that have too much money. Yeah. But, I mean, part of me thinks it's, it's kind of cool. It's something that we saw as... I mean, it was kind of a big deal for Nirvana to do that yeah. at the time. Right. And so to see something like that from our cultural reference be worth six million is just nuts though. But I guess it's, well, it's only worth six million because somebody paid six right. million dollars for it. Right. Yeah. In, in the grand scheme of things, it's not worth anything. True. Right. It's just what somebody's willing to pay. And I guess that's what baffles me is that even if I had six million dollars of just whatever, I wouldn't be spending it on Kurt Cobain's guitar. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause I mean, six million can buy a decent amount of things. Uh, a lot of cars. Yeah. A lot of motorcycles, some properties, yeah. Maybe a private island somewhere? Motorcycles. Did we yeah. go over that yet? Yeah. A whole bunch of underwear and socks. I that's mean, that's... <laughs> what, why do you have $6 million of socks? It's Father's Day. You got to get stocked up, yo. Oh, man. Ties? Shitty ties? I can thankfully say I never received a shitty necktie for Father's Day. We'll have to fix that next year. <laughs> You're going to give me a shitty necktie? <laughs> Somehow, yeah. yeah. This year was kind <laughs> like of... a Warner Brothers one or something. Yeah, this year was kind of a low-key Father's Day, comp- well, because of coronavirus yeah. and all that other shit. So we definitely weren't going out to breakfast. Yeah. Which is today, by the way. Today yeah, is today Father's, is so Father's, Father's Day. Day. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Um, I uh, just... My my wife uh, made a um, a Dutch pancake? A Dutch baby. It's basically... It's it's a fluffy egg, flour, and something milk pancake, and it just it it rises and it gets all fluffy, and then it, it collapses on itself, and it's it's I don't know how to describe it. Yeah. I'm not the the culinary artist. I'm just the willing eater of whatever it, she makes. It sounds good, but why is it called a Dutch baby? I don't know. Hmm. I it doesn't look like one. It yeah. I don't think it tastes like one. I wouldn't know. Yeah, but uh, so we, she made that. She's always wanted to make one, uh, never tried until That's pretty she cool. came across a recipe, I guess, on Pinterest. So she made it for breakfast this morning. Yeah. So that was my Father's Day breakfast. And then we got, I got two uh, cars. I got one from Grayson and then one from Jeanette. And then that, it's just been kind of like low key. It's not bad. I mean, it's just a Sunday. Yeah. Nice, this know, afternoon yeah. I'll go grill. Yeah. What are you making? Uh, doing a peppered flat steak. Just making tacos, basically. Yeah. Some oh, street nice. tacos. We did a tomahawk off last night. Nice. So we got three different. We went to, went to my mom's. We got uh, a dry-aged tomahawk. Was this a Father's Day celebration? Or was this Kinda, just a yeah, weekend? It was like a pre-Father's Day deal. Uh, we got a so a dry-aged one from, I can't remember where, a 
one that was grass fed and then one from Trader Joe's. So we had three different ones. Could you taste the difference? Oh yeah. Oh, Which yeah. one did you like? I liked the dry aged one personally. Because it's like wine tasting. You know, some people go, oh, this is yeah. great. It ends up so being we, like a two buck chuck. We cooked them all the same. Right. Made sure that, you know, that, that we did them all the same, seasoned them the same. And it was definitely a difference across the board. And then we just had some chimichurri, some vegetables. What was the, what was the biggest? Chimney, chim, I don't know. What was the biggest difference? Was it texture or flavor? Flavor, mostly. Okay. Well, because, you know, dry aged, you get like that gamey sort of like, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, rotty sort of flavor. The um, the grass fed one definitely tasted grass fed, but honestly wasn't my favorite. Uh, the Trader Joe's one was just a solid, and they're only like thirty bucks for a two pound steak, yeah. which is pretty impressive. Yeah, for a tomahawk, that's not too bad. Yeah, so. I get a lot of my my steak meats from Trader Joe's just because of pricing convenience, right? And right. quality. I mean, I've never had a bad cut of meat from from Trader Joe's. Yeah, the one we got came from Australia. Nice. Yeah, the Trader Joe's one, I should say. Did so. it tell you its name and everything? This no, I, and actually, we were talking about this yesterday. I personally believe that on any piece of meat at the grocery store, they should show you a picture of the animal it came from. It's a lot of work, though. I don't care. I want I and especially if it's like I'm. Would buying, you pick the ugly cow? No, nah, I don't know. I don't know what I would pick. But if you know, like if I'm, I'm buying like from a small farm, like is yeah. where we got the dry age stuff, right? They should give me give me who it came from. Give me a little bio. So my my wife. I want to know. Is that weird? No, no. my wife her her grandparents uh, had a farm up in Oregon, mm-hmm. and so she would go up there and like spend summers with it. And she one summer uh, became real buddy buddy with their cow. Yeah. The next year, she went up to visit, and they were eating burgers. And oh, she asked and where the, the cow. Yes, she asked where the cow was, and she's like, "Oh, she must have ran off to the neighbor's farm." Oh, get out! Why wouldn't they just tell her? Probably. Do you think she would have not eaten it? I don't know if it was, it might've just been age. She might've just been like nine years old oh, or something, like, you know, yeah. not like it was, it, too she was soon. an adult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Too soon. Yeah. That's pretty funny. But yesterday we, we went for a walk over to uh pavilions, which is like the closest grocery store to the house. And my son is a seafood fiend. I mean, Grayson at 10 years old has expensive taste, which kind of sucks. <laughs> but so he was, he was eyeballing the crab legs and lobster tail he had in the case. Oh, of course. And uh, then he sees that there's shrimp skewers. And the, the tag says a dollar, but you, the tag is obscured. So you can't read the bottom of the tag. So you don't know if it's a dollar per ounce, a dollar per skewer. Per shrimp. Right. We yeah. have no idea. Yeah. So, but Grayson's like, can I have some? We're like, yeah, I can cook them on the grill. No big yeah. deal. So he gets three skewers and it's ten fifty. I'm like, all right, whatever. That's terrible, I guess. Well, I go to check out. They were a buck a piece with the the Vons Pavilions Club card oh, discount. Nice. So it's like shit. I gotta go back and get more shrimp skewers. Right. Um, so we had those, and then um, when you go into the 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 meat section, not the deli, but just you know in the the meat case. Yeah. They have um, a bunch of different kind of like gourmet burger blends. Okay. So the one we had was like Chuck. Uh, what was it? It was uh, it was like three or four different types of meat. Short rib, chuck, something else in like fancy burger patties. So we picked up a pack of that. Sounds pretty good. Yeah. And then we the, the big debate is what kind of bun do we need? Because mm. they have the King's Hawaiian hamburger bun because yeah. King's Hawaiian rolls are just phenomenal. Yeah, they are good, but they're also sweet. So you've got to always remember that when you're, you know, if you're going to put them on a hamburger, what else is going into it? Right, right. And then the, then, uh, the other option was the... The Alfaro's Artisano brand uh, burger bun. Were they like the kind with the powder, like the potato bun type? Nah, or they, they have sesame seeds? No sesame those? seed. No? It's it's no, it's not powdered. It, it's just like a bakery roll type bun. It's just really yeah. big and fluffy. And so we were going back and forth, and we went with the 
the Artisano. Ooh, and how are they? Pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. The uh, the patties, of course, you know, shrivel up pretty small. So right. like the the, I kind of wish we went with the King's wine bun because it's a smaller, smaller bun. Right. So the meat to bread ratio would have been better. But uh, yeah, we topped it with like we had uh, avocado, we had bacon, we had cheese. That we sounds had, good. Yeah. So we piled up the toppings. We had so I had a burger and uh, some shrimp skewers for dinner last night. Yeah. And so tonight I'll just be some peppered steak tacos. I'm gonna make. Uh, I think I'm gonna make myself a steak tonight. Yeah. And a salad. We're at. My house. No, oh, you're going to throw it in like a cast iron? Yeah. We picked up a uh, cast iron skillet and uh, looking at the instructions on how to season the skillet to start it off. It's funny because it It's a sounds, full on like two hour process. It sounds way worse than it is, but it's worth it. Because yeah. then once it's done, you don't have to worry about it. And like when you clean it, I the way I do mine is I use uh, uh, kosher salt and a little bit of water and scrub it around. Yeah. That knocks off all the bits. And then I rinse it out, put it on the stove on low heat so it dries itself out. Right. Or coat it with a little bit of oil and you're done. Yeah, because the instructions like you have to coat the inside and outside. Well, right. first you wash the whole thing inside right. and outside. Then you coat the inside and outside. Then you throw it in the oven, and then you pull it out and you do something else, and then put it back into the oven. And then after that, once it cools off, you can wipe off anything, and then you're like ready to go. Yeah, and the nice thing is that then you know don't ever use soap on it again. Yeah, just remember that part, and or you'll ruin it and have to start over. Yeah, that's the hard part because we're lazy. We just like to throw everything in the dishwasher, yeah, so no, that will be the that. non-dishwasher piece. Right. Where do you store it? Mine just sits on my counter, or okay. on my, I mean, on my uh, my stove. Okay. Yeah, I have a couple. Yeah, because I figured I, if anything, I would just throw it inside the 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 oven. Yeah. Because yeah. otherwise, it's just an oily, greasy. Yeah, I mean, it's, I don't it's really put it in not. My it's, you know, you just use enough oil to coat it. You don't have to like yeah. have it saturated, right? And then I just yeah, just leave it on the stove, so it's ready to go whenever I need it. How much flavor do you think your your skillet? All of it. Because <laughs> you, one of the if that thing could talk about what's been made in it, it says you know you can use oil, lard, um, yeah. what else like bacon fat. Yeah. However you feel like doing it. The bacon fat one was kind of interesting, right? But I don't have vats of that stuff. I just use uh, olive oil. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so we have to undertake that hour and a half process or whatever sometime soon to get the skillet ready to go. Yeah, and then and then they're awesome. They're so good. They're fantastic to use. They, you throw them around. They go in the oven. They go, you know, you don't have to worry about it. It's not like a, these shitty non-sticks. Are, are you bringing a skillet with you overlanding? Uh, I, so I, I normally don't, I have two nonsticks. I, cause I don't have, uh, I don't have one that's sort of like smaller. smaller size. So I need to get one, a smaller one and then I will, but yeah, otherwise I just have these nonsticks that I've figured out a couple ways to get a really good sear out of a nonstick pan, which is kind of hard to do. What's the trick? Mm, not sharing. Oh, I don't care. You're, no, no, you're no, talking to somebody that's not it's, a, much. It's of a honestly, cook. it's it's not really that big of a a big of a deal. It's just about so those aluminum nonstick pans warp really easy, and they don't really like super high flame. Right. So you have to use time to your advantage and get it as hot as you can get it without oh. screwing up the pan, and then use that kind of time to your advantage. Where a lot of people just want to crank it all the way to the top and throw something in, and you can't do it with those pans. They won't take it. Gotcha. They get a be. They just freaking hate it, but. Yeah, I uh, <clears throat> I do love cooking, and I love my cast iron, and yeah. Yeah, I I don't I, I do all the barbecuing and stuff, and I'll, I'll cook basic stuff. More or less, it's just because Jeanette's out of town or she's right. working late, and I'll cook for Grayson. But cooking for the family, it's usually just on the grill. Right. If I had room, unfortunately, you know, you've been here. Yeah. There's nowhere to put a grill. Uh, otherwise, I would 
Yeah, I would have one. George Foreman? No. <laughs> no, like with flames. No, I know, I know. Not propane. Charcoal. You, well, yeah, your patio's not really... You'd have to go downstairs, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I suppose I could put one by the garage, but I guarantee you I'd piss everybody off because they'd just be like, you're smoking out my house. Really? Because every time I walk by, your neighbors seem to have the windows closed and the curtains, you oh, know, the sure blinds some, closed. Somebody would complain. Either that or you'd have a neighbor show you how to do it. No, no, no. Let me show you uh, how this is done. Then we'd get in a fist fight. Growing up, um, our neighbors had a Weber kettle grill. Yep. And Dan was a Vietnam vet, Vietnam War veteran, and he barbecued every day. That's awesome. Using charcoal. Yeah. Every day. So I would eat dinner, and I'd go over to his house, hang out with uh, Dan and Terry. They don't. They were big baseball fans, and so they their TV was on a on a pedestal. It rotated. Yeah. So they could rotate it so it faced out the back window, so they could see it from the back patio table, so they could watch the game oh, that's while cool. they were grilling. Yeah. And Dan cooked in so many different ways. It was direct, indirect, yeah. smoked. Every day was like a, a treat. And they would end up feeding me a second dinner. That's awesome. Because they always had so much food, always right, had right. so much meat. It was some of the best barbecue I've had. And That's he ended up, good. they ended up moving to Arizona. And then he ended up getting, I, for what I could consider his dream job. At barbecues galore. Oh, right. So he was the guy that could tell you exactly what you yeah. needed, how you needed to cook, and what you could cook on the thing. Oh, that's cool. And so I don't have that same patience. Right. Um, I, I'll do charcoal occasionally, but for convenience, it's just gas grill at home. I love charcoal. I love smoking stuff, like on a yeah. real old school smoker, not one of those pellet ones. Like I, I enjoy the process quite a bit. Yeah. Even from picking out the meat, like a brisket, getting it trimmed up, doing the 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 uh, brining if I'm going to do that, making the the rub. Like I love all of the steps to it. And yeah, the hanging out and you know, 16 hours of drinking beer, which I haven't had beer in a long time. That's oh yeah, you're drinking Lacroix. Huh? I, <laughs> I looked down, I was like, yeah, oh, you are. Yeah, no beer. I've been uh, on a bourbon kick though, so that's been good. Uh-huh. We we drank a lot of wine last night too, so taking it easy today. Yeah, wine hangovers are tough. I wasn't really hungover. I was just tired this morning. Oh, okay. Not like I didn't have a headache or anything. Yeah, and I, I didn't figure the I sugar content s- of the wine is what screws oh, yeah, with people. Yeah. Well, especially like whites. We had red wine, which wasn't too bad. But I um I haven't been sleeping great. So I took advantage and like laid in bed for hours this morning just reading, which was really nice. Nice. Yeah, I don't usually do that. I usually get up and Were you reading like articles or books? No, or? I, I just finished a book. And I'm struggling to remember the name of it. Dang it. I read... Dr. Thing Seuss? Is, no, I read a bunch of stuff on my Kindle. And okay. so... Yeah. I, because you don't see the cover, always, you, I always forget. It's the art... The That artist. is kind of the downside of that. Yes. Yeah. The guy's I, name is Blake Crouch, and he did... Um, do you remember the... Oh, God, what was that called? There was a Lonely Pines or something. There was a TV show about, like, this super weird place in Colorado or something where... Um... Nope. I'm just okay. no. Okay, anyway, so know. it was this TV show about, like, there's this place, I guess it's in Colorado or something, and it's kind of, like, framed in by the mountains, this little town, and okay. then, like, all this weird stuff happens. And, and the guy wrote the books that it was based on. I can't remember what the actual series was called. So but... is it, like, a... 
thriller sci-fi like what so the book that genre? i just read was i would say a sci-fi it was called dark matter and it's okay. about it's basically about uh infinite universes and kind of the the whole uh multiverse theory kind of stuff it's pretty interesting it's about it- a guy that gets wrapped up in um you know he another one of him Right. Shows up, and then all the stuff that happens after that. Is that what you? Is that what you typically read? Is sci-fi type stuff? Mostly sci-fi stuff. Or well, I, I read a lot of like business books. I read a lot of history books. But for my like escape stuff, is mostly sci-fi. Yeah, I, I read. I'll read some business stuff, but most of it's comedy. Okay, I, I, I think I just like a light-hearted read. Like, what's an example? Oh, uh, shit! He wrote the book on uh, Gary Shandling. Um, Judd Apatow. So the last book I, I read was, so Judd Apatow is now known as a director, producer of many Hollywood movies and stuff like 40 year old virgin, super bad and all that stuff. But yeah. he was a fan of comedy at a young age. And so he worked on his high school radio station. And because he was in radio, he would contact comedians saying he was with a radio station and he'd like to interview them. And so he'd show up at the comedian's house and they were expecting an adult and he's this high school age kid coming in. <laughs> and he did all these interviews with Jerry Seinfeld and just all these all these different comedians over the years. So from like the basically the 80s to the 90s. Uh, and so recently, within the last couple of years, he took all of those interviews, which he taped, and he basically took the transcripts and put them into a book. And so it was interesting seeing all these different interviews with different comedians and kind of getting their stories behind the craft or how they dealt with certain challenges and right. stuff like that. But it was a, I mean, it was definitely a, a lighthearted read, but at the same time it was fun. It was just an entertaining read where you, you could read like three chapters and then, you know, put it down and pick yeah. it up. And it wasn't like you had to keep tabs on the story. Right. Like some of those books when you get into the first chapter and you're getting introduced to everybody, and you get lost. And you get lost right yeah. away because there's like yeah. 17 characters right. that you can't keep straight. So, yeah, that that tends to be kind of more of the stuff I, I like to read. I like sci-fi comedy stuff too, though, like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, yeah. or Good Omens, yeah. things like that. That stuff is fine too. Um, one of my favorite books, though, probably of all time, is a book called Lucifer's Hammer. It was written by uh, Larry Niven and Jerry Pornell. Hmm. And it's about... It's an old book. I think it was written like the 70s. But it's about a... Uh, what's the one that hits the ground? A meteor? A meteor? Yeah. yeah. So it's about a meteor that strikes and basically screws up the entire world. But a lot of it takes place in Southern California or like uh, um, uh, the valley part okay. where the stuff is. You know, you go over the grapevine? Well, yeah. I can't yeah. think of what that valley's called. Anyways, over the grapevine and like, so you recognize a lot of the places that they're talking about. So it's really easy to visualize. Same thing with like Dean Koontz. All, a lot of his books take place in Orange County. So it's really cool to like understand the, the places that they're talking about and really be able to visualize kind of what's happening. Yeah. I'm trying to think of like, my wife is a, is a big reader. And so the stuff that she likes t- tends to be more kind of either, she kind of goes two extremes. It's either like, murder mystery like uh-huh. thriller kind of stuff or like lovey-dovey romance kind of stuff so it's either like chick lit or like murder mystery kind of thing back and forth right i've read yeah i've read a lot of i mean i don't know but she's she's kind of running the same problem because before she would she would do paperbacks and she would swap books with coworkers and stuff right but with the kindle 
she's reading stuff. But again, like she, because she's not staring at the cover, it's not like the name of the book comes to mind, right? When she, you know you ask her what are you reading about, what's it called? Exactly. And I, I can I can say, oh, it's blah blah blah. But half the time, I can't remember the author or whatever. Yeah. And it's not like there's a convenient button either on the Kindle yeah. or Show when cover. Yeah, or when you when you close it and you open the Kindle, it shows you an ad. So it's right. not like it's showing you the cover of what you're reading at that moment. So that makes it a little bit difficult, but yeah. Advertising is everywhere. Yeah. But I'm trying to think of that guy. So Blake Crouch also I'm trying to think pines, I think was the name of the TV show. Twin peaks. Well, so it was very much that kind of vibe. Weird. Yeah. 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 yeah it was called a oh, wayward pines is what the show was called. Right. It was like 2015 or something. And it was, uh, when two federal agents go missing in Wayward Pines, Idaho, Secret Service agent Ethan Burke, one of Seattle's best agents, sets out to find them. Ooh, Ethan Burke. Yeah. <laughs> Wayward Pines. I don't Idaho. know why that name just sounds so just cliche, I it guess. Sound, it sounds kind of... Tom Cruise-ish. Stuffy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like he's going to save the world somehow. I don't like it. So we were talking about like ads when you open the Kindle. So I don't get much spam email because I tend to filter it pretty good. Yeah. But I always laugh at the emails that do come through. So I bought that bidet toilet seat like at the beginning of the coronavirus. Right. So I got an email from Bidet King, Father's Day sale, Father's Bidet sale, three days only. It's like, what the hell? Like, who's buying their dad a bidet for Father's Day? Like, it just seems like such an odd thing. But then at the same time, like, who is this for? I already own a bidet. Am I supposed to buy more than one? What's well, yeah exactly it's that's the weirder part to me is that why would you need I mean I guess if you've not completely bedated all of your toilets right which be bedazzled bedazzled yeah there yeah. you go uh yeah I don't know it's weird to get ads like that yeah I, I've been getting ads for drive-in concerts because you're on like a concert mailing list or whatever. I mean, I get I, every single concert that I had tickets for this year has been canceled at this right. point, right? So I think it's it's some of the organizers that are or whatever. the promoters. The promoters, maybe? yeah. There yeah. you go. I'm on some of their mailing lists or whatever, but now I'm starting to get drive-in concerts. Sounds terrible. Yeah, it sounds interesting. So do you have to stay in the car? I have no idea. Or, I have no idea how it works. There's I like at drive-in theaters. I've seen some of the things because this is like because most of the cinemas are closed because of this coronavirus uh, pandemic, right? drive-in theaters are seeing a, a bit of a resurgence because you can stay in the car. But some of them I've seen, they kind of space the cars themselves. So you're not parked like door-to-door -door immediately next with somebody next to you. You're kind of given like a 10-foot square box kind of, right. or like a 10-foot wide spot. Oh, so you can have like chairs out and yes. stuff. Yeah, so you it. can hang out in front of the car or behind the car. So right. you have a little bit of space. So if... If this concert is kind of the same way, that might not be a bad thing. Yeah, they. <clears throat> that's the interesting thing. So it's a, a 4th of July show. It's in Santiago Canyon at some park down there. And yeah. they didn't really, it, it doesn't say really what the story behind, or like the, the how specifics are. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's just, they're just advertising the thing. And it just doesn't sound like. Do you turn your headlights on when <sighs> the jam's playing instead of using a lighter in the air? I guess. Do you honk your horn? Maybe that sounds terrible. It and then, do you have to? Can you? Because there's, there's gonna be that one asshole with like train horns in his truck. Are you close enough to hear it, or are you? Do you have to have one of those little speaker things? I, I think you should be things? able to hear it. Maybe through your radio. But maybe the, they do it that way. FM transmitters. Yeah. 
Yeah, because I, I would think from the venue standpoint, like how many vehicles would you fit? Well, that's what I was trying to figure out is if you and, and then, OK, if it's 10 feet of space, most cars are longer than 10 feet. Well, right. Yeah, longer than 10 feet. So yeah. whatever that is, I mean, you can only fit so many. So what do you have? 30, 40, 50 cars. That's what I can't figure is like from a from a layout standpoint, like how much room do you need? Yeah, I don't know. I'm going to look up and see if it's because I mean, like if you go to like a I'm thinking some of like the the outdoor amphitheaters I've gone to as a concert goer, they're packing, you know, 15,000 people into like a decent space, but it's not a massive space. But then you put a car in there. Oh, okay. so they have different options. So there's the VIP parking experience, a lawn, socially distanced, bring your own chair for twenty five dollars. One car, six people, ninety nine dollars. That's not bad. You can. Fit That's six. for row, row seven. So there's seven rows. Oh, okay. Uh, it goes all the way up to. <laughs> come on. Is there a pit? What? Mosh pit? You no. just ramming your that's car? A, yeah, that's a demo derby. Yeah. Row one, one car plus six people. Four hundred bucks. Three fifty. Okay. No. That's not bad. Three fifty for the entire car. I mean, yeah, for even, six people. That's kind of cheap. From a concert standpoint, how how that's like fifty bucks a person. Yeah, but this is to see Los Lobos. Los yeah. Lobos and the bring your own lawn chair is only twenty five. That's half. Yeah, that makes no sense. But it do, it also does not say exactly how the whole thing's going to work, so I don't really know the the answers to the rest of our questions unless one of us decides we want to go. Yeah. I don't have six fr- five friends. But the cool thing is instead of having that annoying chick like on the back or on somebody's shoulders like going, "Woo!" she can just stand up through the sunroof and do the <laughs> same thing. And still Yeah, what happens if you get and then like the thing in front of you or the car in front of you is like a an SUV. Yeah, right? some yeah. giant suburban or something. You can't see anything. That it, That is kind of weird. Sounds weird. But then you if you get your roof rack installed, you could be sitting up on top of your your forerunner. That's true. And you could have good seats. That is true. Although, the roof rack doesn't have a floor on it. So you would just have to stand on the crossbars. When I think of Los Lobos, I think of uh, the movie Short Circuit. <laughs> Los Lobos kick your ass. That part? Los Lobos <laughs> kick your face. Los Lobos <laughs> kick your balls into outer space. Oh, yeah, I is... don't know why. That stuck out. That is uh, one of those things. It's like the song from uh, Big, right? That you just remember. Yeah. And you will always remember that song. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm excited to someday go to a concert again. Uh, I'm not excited. So, I don't know. Have you been to a restaurant or bar since everything's been relaxed? No. We have still not done any in-dining. Yeah. We've done... We still continue to do, like, to-go orders. Yeah, maybe yeah, like, once yeah. a week or something like that. But we haven't actually sat inside a dining establishment and sat down at a table yeah. indoors or on the patio yet. We did... Uh, I went on Friday to a chicken place that I like. This wing nuts in Costa Mesa. And it's really weird. Is it? Yeah. Were you, well, because you go... Okay, so you have to wear a mask to get in. Right. I'm all for it. But then you have to take the mask off to they, eat. Right. They take your temperature, and then as soon as everybody's in there, they're they're keeping limited numbers of people at, at tables, and you know, there's Did they have supposedly more space. Eh, it's hard to tell. Um, but the, the weird part is, is, like, going to the bathroom, and people cruising around and not drinking, and then, you know, they were kind of, oh, I'm going to go see my friends at this table, and then go back to my table. And so yeah. it wasn't very, like... It wasn't great. And then all the people, you know, I drive through the Orange Circle right. every day and 
uh, Earth Cafe and Snooze specifically, those two places always have lines out the door. They're always super busy. Right. Even before this whole pandemic. Yeah, exactly. Right. But now that everything's open, they're busy again. And the people waiting outside are inches away from each other and half of them aren't wearing masks. And I don't... I don't get it. I don't get it. And I guess what's frustrating is like, it's not about you and it doesn't take any freaking effort. It's just a mask. If you're going to complain about it, guess what you can do? Stay home. Yeah. I I think as as fucked up as, as Orange County was... Because people were protesting and complaining so much that they actually were threatening the Secretary of Health and protesting outside her house and threatening her family that she resigned her position. Mm -hmm. And then the County of Orange weakened their requirement for masks and made it optional because of all the angry people thought they were getting their freedoms taken away. Right. So then then they fucked it up and Gavin Newsom comes and says, now you have to wear masks, you morons. Right. Which is, I'm thankful for that. Right. But it, it, it is kind of sad to the point where somehow wearing a mask has become a political thing. Yeah. When it's not at all a political thing. It's just a health, well-being, scientific maybe. But it's just. The people that are saying like, oh no, you know, it, it, it's bad for my health and we have epoxy and all this other crap. Like there's nurses and doctors that wear masks 12 to 13 hours a day. Yeah. And right? they've been like, doing it for decades yeah. without any issue. And they're fine, it turns out. Yes. It's the people like, and I guess what's frustrating about it is, and I tried to explain to somebody, I said, I, if you would just, if everybody would just wear a mask, more stuff would probably open. Oh yeah. And well, we they- would be able to do more stuff, but because you won't put a mask on. We're going to end up in lockdown 2.0, yeah. and I'm going to be pissed. Yeah. I, mean, I saw something like if, if 80% of the population wore a mask, basically the decline of coronavirus could be pretty much eliminated. Right. But because people choose to not wear a mask, I guess, yeah, as somehow showing off their political belief or their whatever personal belief. It's- well, we're also living in a time where uh, there are a lot of people that think it's okay to fly Nazi flags and drop N-bombs. So yeah, the, the world's yeah, yeah. gone kind of topsy-turvy. Yeah. Yeah, it's a shit show for sure. Yeah. I mean, but, I, I I saw pictures from Salem, Oregon of a, a truck, like a big Silverado with a giant flag in the back of it that was not an American flag like you would see in Riverside. Yeah. It was a Nazi flag. Yeah, it's just fucking stupid. And they had taken their license plates off, which I found really interesting. Yeah. Hmm. I wonder why. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Huh. But, but uh, that, that kind of shit, it's crazy. Like, yeah. just... The whole thing with coronavirus to to what we're talking about is if you just, it's not really that big of an inconvenience. I don't enjoy wearing a mask, but I do it because it's the thing to do that's the right thing to do for the people around you. Right, right. It's And that's, I think, the thing with, unfortunately, with Americans is it's always, it's such a a me first culture, I guess it is. So as long as I get mine, I don't care about you. Right. And so those people just don't have any ability to have any sort of empathy or thought for anything else uh, other than themselves. And like, I, I have no problem wearing a mask. I have no complaints. Yeah. It's not the most comfortable. I don't like the fact that my glasses fog up, but yeah. whatever. It's yeah. like, that's the most minimal inconvenience. Exactly. Now restaurants have opened up. Gyms have opened up movie theaters. I think are opening up at some point. Yeah, one of the movie theater chains, I can't remember if it was AMC, AMC had said nobody's going to have to wear a mask. We don't want to get political. Everybody crapped themselves, and now they're like, okay, we'll make everybody wear masks. I'm I mean, not ready to go to a movie theater. I will not go to the movie theater. Well, no. Part of the problem is like, it's just the price. That, yeah, right, you know, right. It was getting expensive. I remember as a kid, like a matinee was like $4. 
Yeah. You know, today a matinee is 12 bucks. Right. So it's just like, mm. The gyms are, I guess, sort of problematic. There was a, a chart that I had seen recently, and it showed, like, the least... Uh, yeah, least to most. It was like... What's that called? Risky. Yeah. Least risky to most. And gym is at the top. I mean, there's just no way to control... Depending on what kind of gym you go to, though. Because, I mean, if you're in, like, a 24-hour fitness, yeah, that's going to be higher risk just because you sure. know nobody's wiping stuff down. Right. If you're in, like, a weightlifting gym when it's, like, a you know, 10 people in there... Probably and, not as bad. And they're wiping everything down right. before and after... That's probably not as bad. Well, you don't want to, you definitely don't want to share the CrossFit tire with everybody else. Yeah, but most of those places aren't doing it. They're not allowing you to share equipment. Mm. So, like, I go to a, a, a CrossFit gym that's that's opened up, and yeah. they're still doing classes like on gym uh, or on Zoom. So, you can still work out at home if you don't want to go in. But if you do go in, they have um, uh, tape grids on the ground. It's like a 10 foot square. Yeah. You have to grab your equipment, put it in that square, and you stay in that square for the entire workout. Oh, okay. Um, and they have sanitizing sprays and wipes and everything. So you have to wipe everything down when you bring it into your box. Wipe it all down when you put it away. You have to use hand sanitizer. You have to walk in this door and walk out that other door. Um, there's no sharing of equipment, so you can't use the same pull-up bars. So it's You can't spot your buddy. Right. So, yeah. But because of that, they're not doing bench press. Right. You know, they're... they're, they're they're cognizant of those risk factors, so they're not doing those types of exercises or movements, and that seems reasonable. Whereas you walk into a twenty-four hour fitness, it's a machine; you don't know who was on it before well, you. Well, you didn't even before this; you had no idea at most gyms True. who was there before you. And dude, the number of people I've seen not wipe their equipment down—that's the thing—is so like, disgusting. At twenty-four hour fitness, you're required to have a towel with you. Yeah, but nobody uses because you're supposed it. to use it to wipe down the equipment, but right. nobody ever wipes down any no. of the equipment. So, yeah. That's fascinating. But and the, just wiping it down is not enough. You're just wiping your sweat over. Yeah. You're drying it off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think the one opening that's coming up, it seems kind of surprising, is Disneyland is planning to open on July 17th. Uh, so it's funny that you bring that up because that's actually what I was just looking at right now on the computer because I wanted to bring that up too. I think it's actually the 19th, which it doesn't really matter. 17th, Whatever. 19th. Middle of July. Yeah. So what's interesting about their requirements, and um, they're going to have basically a reservation system. So they're going to limit the number of people in the parks. Reservation to get into the park? or Correct. So you have to make a reservation. So like I have a season pass. I still have to say, uh, I even with my season pass, I have to make, I want to go on this day and make a reservation. Okay. Do you uh, pick the time you're going to get there or is it just like, I it's will It's for be... the day. Like okay. you get the daily reservation. So they're, they're limiting the number of people okay. that can go into the park. They are... Uh, with your reservation? Makes that easier to spread people out. So, yeah. So, no matter what. Like, if you have ticket or whatever. I think they're going to keep it to Southern California residents and pass holders for a while. But are, can you say it's it's Ryan plus two? Or is uh, it everybody in your party has to reserve separately? Like, Yeah, I think everybody has to do it separately. I'm not... That's a good question. Yeah. I'm not 100% sure. The okay, way it so worked before with, like, the lower tier pass holders was each pass holder had to do it. Okay. So I would imagine it'd be something Same similar. Thing. So reservation. Um, right. So reservation. And then they were talking about uh, masks were going to be required. So you only get... Okay, so right here. Guests will only be able to reserve a spot at one park per day. So no okay. more no more park hopping. So even if I like if I wanted to go to California Adventure and Disneyland, yeah, I'd have yeah. to do separate days. Um, they were talking about masks, and I've, I want to go back and see, but they're they're they are going to have some of those requirements. Obviously, there's distancing. I'm not sure how they're going to handle the line queues. That's I, I wonder if everybody just automatically it's fast passes. 
Yeah, they may have to do it that way. And they, that would probably be the best way of doing it because it minimizes the amount of time you, you're stuck in line. Right. And they've already got, so with Rise of the Resistance, when that came out, that currently uses a virtual queue. Right. So you have to get into the virtual queue. And it honestly, like by 7.30 or whatever it is, the, the it's gone. Like you can't even get in the queue. But right. the uh, I, I don't see why they couldn't apply that to all of the other rides. It's all based on their, um, their app. app right. So it's not that big of a deal. I don't know... I certainly will not be in line on June or Jan, July nineteenth to be in line. I will not be one of the first people. I don't. I'm really not sure when I'm going to be like, yeah, I'll go to Disneyland again. So since you're an annual pass holder, yeah. did they suspend your monthly charges or do they just? I don't have monthly charges, but, but you yeah, pay they, for it. Okay. they will. Uh, they will give me whatever six months extra. Extra on the back end. Point. Yeah. The uh, I was there the last night that they were open and it was a little weird and there was kind of no dis or no regard for people didn't care man they were all over people in florida pretty gross yeah where people were just all packed down main street watching the fireworks right just inches from each other and you're like oh that doesn't seem like it's a good idea yeah which you know i mean we'll we'll see what happens but there's no i was trying to find out what whatever changes they would make like are they closing the gift stores and souvenirs because those things aren't those stores aren't all that spacious so when right. you're walking through there, you're just kind of on everybody. Yeah, I'm not really sure. Oh, so this does well. This is 2019 or no 619. So Disney World will have a reservation system. So if they were doing the same thing. Yeah, I'm just kind of scrolling through some yeah, articles yeah. here, but because I, I I'm, it, it would also be interesting to think of like rides. So like Pirates of the Caribbean is it just like if it's just you and your buddy, is it just you two on the boat? Well, and then they do they is every boat getting sanitized? Yeah. Or do you get plastic souvenir gloves like when you walk in or something? Like... Oh, with only three fingers? <laughs> yeah. Or four fingers? I don't know how many fingers Mickey Mouse has. Can you just imagine how awesome the Disney uh, facial masks are going to be? You know, like a Mickey face or a Goofy face? Yeah. Or... So, I mean, I know people people collect the just the ears. Yeah. I can't imagine if they come up with face masks. These people. I hope the face mask has ears so it blocks your vision because the ears are on the top of the mask. <laughs> I look I, as much as I enjoy Disneyland and going on rides and stuff. I am I am definitely not what I would consider my I. I don't consider myself to really be into Disneyland that much, like or into Disney, yeah, like yeah. a lot of these obsessed people are, uh, and it's fine. That's their thing. It's super cool. I don't get it. I don't know if I would use the word super cool, but yeah. What's well, super cool for them? I I was always like so we we did a Disney cruise, um, one time we went to Alaska. Yeah. And, uh, as you know, that Alaska wasn't a Disney cruise. This one was the Mexican, we did the uh, five day, like Mexican cruise. And that was on Disney and the, the Disney people, the, the fans of Disney without kids that were on the boat, I think were the ones that creeped me out the most. Yes. I think it's strange. Yeah. It was like the husband and wife with the matching like Disney costume outfit, yeah. t-shirt things. Or I have whatever. no, I don't have Disney merch. I like Disneyland. Honestly, most of what I like about Disneyland. Well, there's the rides. Obviously I love Pirates of the Caribbean. So yeah, the yeah. old rides, but the Star Wars area is super cool. Yeah. Um, is that why you got the annual pass? Yeah. Because yeah. it's fun to go to. It's fun to go kind of hang out. And I have my friend Jason, well, you know, yeah, Jason yeah, yeah. and Allie, right? They have passes. So we'll go. It's fun. Something to do, and we we live so close to it. Yeah, you can go for a couple hours and make yeah, it worth while. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's a couple days where I'll go and just go and ride the Millennium Falcon by yeah. myself. And then yeah, come back. we well, had, used to do. We had annual passes when Grayson was little because 
kids, what, two and under get in for free. Right. So Jeanette and I each had passes and then we would go like Sundays, go Sunday morning, um, go into the park and hang out and leave around like two o'clock or whatever and then come home. And so that ended up being quite nice. But then uh, once he got older, we we're like, eh, it's not really worth it to deal with all that. Oh, so they aren't, by the way, I'm just kind of skimming this other thing. They're not going to have parades and none of the nighttime spectacular stuff. So they probably won't be doing fireworks, which would be interesting. Makes sense because of the crowds. Right. No character meet and greet. Um, probably to avoid the lines. Probably to avoid the close proximity. But I think if you're like in the Mickey costume, you're insulated to a certain extent. But at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Um Downtown Disney is actually going to open on July 9th, which is pretty crazy because that place is constantly packed. Yeah. Like the last time I was at Downtown Disney, it was just walking from one side of it to the other was uncomfortable under normal circumstances because there's so many people. So yesterday uh, we actually went shopping at a store other than like Target or Trader Joe's for the first time since this whole COVID thing. Where did you go? We went down to the the factory outlets down in San Clemente because... Um, there's a Nike outlet down there. Oh, okay. And Grayson being a typical kid, he chews through his shoes or he grows through, grows out of them really quick. So, right. um, we went down there and all the stores are limiting the number of customers in the store at any given moment. So to go inside the Nike outlet, we had to wait in line. Um, and the line was socially distanced and stuff. So we do that. We get inside the store, go up to the second floor where the kid's shoes are. We, Grayson finds a pair he likes. I go get in line. The line to check out was, I think, almost longer than the line to get in. And it, I don't know why it seemed like it was going slower than it did any other time. And I don't know if it's, if business is actually up. Because I've gone to that store a bunch of times, and usually there's maybe two or three people in line in front of me. Right. This time there was like 15 people in Pent front of me. Pent up demand, maybe? Maybe. Yeah. And that's the other thing that's been interesting. So, so we did that, and then every store you had to wait in line to go inside. So we were like, all right, we're not going to look at anything else. We're, we're done. And so we, we left. But the other thing we noticed was um, we've been doing a lot of walking around the neighborhood and stuff. So there's there's a Target within walking distance. And when you walk by Target, there's a there's a uh, Ross. Oh, yeah. And we're not big on Ross for shopping. We, we don't have to shop there for anything. So unless it's some other random thing we're looking for, we don't really go in there. But I happened to look inside the windows, and that store looks like it's been picked over. Like, it's amazing how many shelves are empty. Yeah. Like, there must have been three months of pent-up demand for markdown designer apparel and house housewares. Because literally... That's that's pretty bizarre. There's empty racks. There's empty walls. Like, it's fascinating. Like... Well, that's interesting, too, given the the amount of um, uh, unemployed people. Yeah. So I don't know if this is people trying to adjust their wardrobe to the COVID-15 that they gained. You know, like, yeah, <clears throat> it was just kind of unexpected to see, like, empty shelves, empty clothing racks. Right. Like, you, noticeable from outside the store. Well, it's kind of like, I've noticed that I went to Target the other day, and I've noticed while some stuff is back, so toilet paper is yeah. there, a lot of cleaning supplies are still gone. Yeah, which is bizarre. The wipes are still kind of like the hard to find. I couldn't even get. I have one of those sink scrubbers where it's like the the sponge part of it is disposable. Yeah, I have that same thing. Yeah, you can't. I can't find the replacement things for it. The sponge part. And I was at Target. They didn't have them. They said they had them. They didn't have them. I checked the grocery store. They didn't have them. Uh, Certain sprays like four hundred nines and things are still gone. Yeah, which is super bizarre to me. Like, 
why? Yeah, I saw something like last week was the first time where toilet paper sales were down year over year or something like that. So they're basically saying that, okay, supply is finally caught up to demand. Right, right. And they don't need to worry about it. And like now when I go to Target, the toilet paper aisle isn't 100% stocked, but there's probably 60% of the normal inventories there. Oh, they have like the the one I went to the other day is the Target over uh, down Orange, like down by the Orange Mall. No problem. Yeah. Toilet paper was not an issue. And they were, but it was kind of funny because they didn't have like the smaller packs. It was all like the, yeah, the you know, the 16, 60 packs yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was kind of funny. Um, so I, while we were been talking, I was looking at this. So Disneyland will have mandatory face coverings, more hand washing stations. They will have physical distancing. Well, they're going to promote it by having barriers and then less people in the park. They are going to check temperatures and then cashless transactions, no... Like none of those interactive greeting stuff. A yeah. lot more stuff on the apps. Huh. And then there'll be heightened protocols for cleaning. But there's a lot of folks that are saying this is a bad idea. So we'll see what happens. The, even a lot of the cast members don't want to go back. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's understandable. Yeah. I mean, the fact that it's a... I mean, I, I think that the issue with, with Disney is as cautious as they want to be and as many preventative actions they want to take, it's the fact that you still have 35,000 people in a park... Right. You know, just milling about. Yeah. And I, I don't know. Well, think about all the stuff that you touch. Like how it's got to be almost impossible to clean all of that enough. And I look, I'm not particularly worried about getting coronavirus. I figure at some point we're all just going to get it. But I am worried about the amount of people that, you know, could get it. It could be yeah, a problem. Yeah. Like it's it's that big and then all the hospitals are overwhelmed. Well, like there was a story in the news, like what some... A group of ladies in Florida, like one of the ladies was like in the healthcare industry or something like that. Right. Goes out the first night that the bars are open. Goes out with 15 of her friends or something like that. And they, or she goes out with six of her friends, but 15 people at that bar all got coronavirus from that same night. Right. And that was a small bar, 15 people. So take that same type of logic and apply it to 35,000 people in a, in a yeah. venue. Like what kind of number right. does that create? Yeah, I have no idea. I mean, it's and it, and it is pretty crazy. And the thing is, you have a lot of people that I guess it's that selfish thing again of like, oh, the bars are open. I'm going to go out. Well, I don't feel well, but I'm going out anyways. Yeah. And like, well, and I guess the other challenge is so much of this, you know, people are asymptomatic. Right. Right. They don't even realize they have it. Right. But then they're tested for some reason and then they come out and find out that they do have it. Like um, this week, Little League practice started up again. Oh, are they back now? They're back. And so um, they. If you wanted to continue, they sent home like a, a liability waiver right. that you had to fill out. And so we asked Grayson, we're like, hey, baseball's back. Do you want to play? There's going to be eight games between now and the end of July. Yeah. Do you want to do it? Yes or no? Here's the rules. In the dugout, if you're not on the field, you have to wear a face mask. Uh -huh. If you're in the dugout, you have to be socially distant six feet. So you may not be able to sit in the so dugout. there's like four kids in the dugout. Right. And yeah. then like chairs outside of the right, dugout. Right. Um, probably nobody in the bleachers, you know, parents will be spread out like throughout the outfield and stuff. And so we laid out like all of the, all of the provisions that they had done for the second half of the season saying, do you want to do this? Right. And he's like, in July? No. It's yeah. When it's hot. Gonna be hot as heck. Yeah. So he opted out and we're like, okay. I mean, he loves baseball, but I think the idea of him having to sit and wear a mask in the heat right. was not something that he found interesting enough to want to continue the season. But 
there's a bunch. I mean, his team is he. There was something like thirteen or fourteen kids on his team. Yeah. So there's ten. They need a minimum of nine to the field. So they're going to continue on with the season. But it'll be interesting to see. Like the kids, if you're batting, if you're up to the plate and you hit the ball, usually the other teammate that was coming up after you would grab the bat and bring right. it. Only the coaches can touch the bat. The coach has to wipe down the bat. Bats can't be placed in the bat organizer. They have to be placed somewhere else. Like there's all sorts of criteria like yeah. where you can put your gear, what kind of bottle you can bring. and how, how are they doing that? Because a lot of those little league fields are like – uh, middle schools and, and high schools and stuff. So they're a lot, I, from what I understand, a lot of those schools don't want to give access to the fields. Yeah. The, the little league that Grayson plays for, all of the fields are in public parks. So they're Got not it. on school uh, property, but you still have all sorts of other issues. Like the snack bar won't be open, which is not that big Man, of a deal. Whatever. But for the kids themselves, I mean, Trying to keep them socially distant, yeah. When they just want to horse around, goof off, right? Um, you know, it's just, especially, I, I think when they first sent out the announcement, maybe like two or three weeks ago, saying, "We think it's coming. We're getting close. Here's our tentative plans. Once we get approval from the state of California, here's what we're going to do." Right. At that time, we were like on the fence. We're like, we'll let Grayson decide. We're okay either way. But now that you have these outbreak numbers skyrocketing. In California, Arizona, and all these other states, it's just like, I'm glad he's right, not doing it. Right, he doesn't want to do it. Yeah. Yeah, and it, you know, it's not like you didn't see it coming, that it was going to be a problem. I think what is frustrating are the people that are just basically like, I don't give a shit, like, whatever. Yeah. And it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about the people that are in those real high risk categories and yeah, they could stay at home, but they, everybody has to live their own life. You can't be locked in a cage forever. Right. I understand that part. Yeah. If you would go out responsibly, it's probably less of an issue. It's the people that just flat out refuse. And then you see people like there's video of people spitting on other people. Yeah. Or like, coughing people, on them. Like it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. I, I think if I was to compare my behavior today to where I was at three months ago when this was first starting, I think I'm probably at 80 percent of what i was doing back then right like i'm going outside more than i was back then right um you know we'll go to the store maybe twice a week now rather than just once a week um but we're still wearing masks we're still sanitizing our hands every time we touch something and come back um but we are trying to resume life like i went to the dentist i went to the optometrist so i actually need to go to the optometrist yeah so there are some more normal activities that we're resuming but we still haven't eaten in a restaurant yet um we're still trying to figure out what we're doing for a summer vacation like we still don't know if we're going anywhere right um so like here's how much life has returned to normal i got a jury duty summons really (laughs) yeah well you'll have to wear a mask obviously apparently but how do you socially distance in a juror box i don't know i don't know but luckily i don't have to call in till the end of july so it's one of those things call in after 5 p.m and then well, the, you know, it's funny, actually, speaking of July and all this crazy stuff, like, are we going to have a, like, 4th, 4th of July? July? Are there going to be, like, regular fireworks? Is there going to be... They, but see, the problem with fireworks is everybody wants to go get to, to the best ideal viewing spot, so you're all packed right. into some football field to stare at, so I don't think so. But may, well, maybe they... Yeah, how could is, you do it so people could watch from home? I think this is the year that bootleg fireworks are going to be a big thing. They've already been a big thing around here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've been hearing a lot of fireworks over the, actually over the last few months. Yeah, which is weird. 
Um, yeah, it's, it's been strange. So not so very quiet. I live close enough to Disneyland that I can see the fireworks. Yeah, but you haven't had them for the last no, three months. Yeah, yeah, haven't had anything. Haven't had uh, Anaheim Stadium, no fireworks. Right. Because so Angels would do like Saturday night games. They yeah, would do so, fireworks. So it is a little weird. Um, I'm kind of looking forward to fireworks. It would be cool if they did a 4th of July thing. I just don't know how they would do it. I don't want to watch 4th of July. I think on my the TV. only way they could do it is by not telling anybody that they were going to do it. And then just do it. Yeah. Because that's the only way you would avoid the crowds. Because otherwise people go, oh, there's going to be fireworks. I'm going to go right. put my blanket out on the field and secure right. my lawn spot. Yeah, that stuff. I mean, excuse me. Yeah, you do a lot of those like, um, oh, God, what is that? El Medina down the road yeah. used to do that all the time. Yeah, so the football yeah. stadium yeah, and yeah, stuff. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Although Elmo's getting I, a new football stadium, so I don't think it's finished yet. Maybe it is. Yeah, it's under construction. I know, yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I drive by there. I don't really yeah. pay attention. I had to get gas for only the third time. Oh, really? <laughs> Since this whole coronavirus thing happened before I came over. I've actually, I mean, I get gas so quite a bit. I'm getting, I, I'm, uh, all the time, so. I'm getting a month of the tank, basically. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So when, have what about work? Have they talked about going back at all? No. Uh, they're doing it like in, in stages and... Based on my stage, I don't have to go back for several weeks, if not longer. Yeah. Because, well, I mean, luckily, I, I, I can still do a decent amount from the house. Right. Um, we can go into the office if we need to. We just have to inform the appropriate people. And basically, they need a plan of action. Like, what are you doing in the office? Right, right. How are you going to ensure you're socially distancing from others that may be in the office? Uh, why are you going? What are you doing? So it's it's almost easier to not go into the office because you right. don't have to deal with all of that bureaucracy stuff, right. which I understand because they, they want to make sure that they they have all their bases covered and they're not you know causing any undue risk or, right. or harm. But like Jeanette's kind of the same way. Like I don't think she's going back to work until maybe September into into the office. Yeah, because I think interestingly enough, like a lot of the employers have realized that their employees can still be productive right. even though they're not in the workplace. Yeah, and there's a lot of positions. Like what I do, I, I don't have to go in the office. So I don't know. There's no, you know, we, we have already started going back to the office, but it's like manufacturing, engineering, some of that other right. stuff that has to be. Yeah, stuff that has to be hands-on. Yeah, exactly. Totally understand. But stuff that doesn't or isn't as hands-on, right. then it, it's, it's all right to be around. I mean, I'm, I'm usually, I would like to be more hands-on. Right. I would like to be getting my hands dirty and playing with things. Um, and I'll have to go into the office next week to do some of that. Yeah. But that also required me to submit the paperwork. Right. Here's what I'm doing and here's all that well, stuff. Well, we kind of have to have the same thing. They're limiting the number of people. So I could go in if I wanted to, but I don't, I mean, honestly, I don't even have a desk. So yeah. there's no real point for me. Um, you know, I, it'll be interesting when we, when we end up getting back, but we've got, because of what we've got going on, I have to travel coming up anyway. So there's no real point. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I'll have to go eventually. Like, if I want, there's some stuff that I need to get from the office. So I'll have to figure out how to do that. But whatever. Yeah, it, it's it's been pretty it's been pretty flexible. It's been fine. Yeah, I am getting tired of all the uh, the video conferencing meetings, but it's yeah. interesting. It's it's interesting how some of the meetings, you know, okay, everyone wants to be on video, so you're all on video. Right. Other meetings, nobody wants to be on right. video, so you just turn the camera off right. and you're just kind of listening in or whatever. So it, it's kind of funny. You can predict what kind of meeting it's going to be just based on the invitees or right. who's running the meeting. Yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, so far it's you know yes, it's kind of, eh, but but I mean, we were talking about even if we were to go back in the office, they're you know they're limiting the number of people in a conference room, so you're still doing a Zoom meeting. So it right, kind of from doesn't, your desk. So right. why even go in? Exactly. So 
other than those kind of quick hit conversation stuff, we have Microsoft Teams and a bunch of other things, so it seems to work pretty yeah. well, um, I guess. But yeah, I don't know. At any rate, um, yeah, that's all I got. I'm wondering about Fourth of July. I guess we'll find out in a few weeks. Yeah, I think you just put on your American flag speedo and just buy some of those safe and sane fireworks. And I I would be surprised they even sold fireworks this year. Well, I mean, I I guess if you're doing it at your house, it's people in your family, so it's still smaller numbers. No, I just it'll be curious to see because I I would because I know for some organizations that's their big fundraiser. It is, and we would normally be seeing booths now, and I haven't seen one. That's true. This is about the time of year you would start seeing them pop up. You're right. Yeah, I haven't seen a single one, so that'll be interesting to see if that even happens. The uh, yeah, it's you know as much as you can get sort of back to normal, I'm okay with it. I'm just. Do it safely. Like, be yeah, safe yeah, about yeah. it, right? And it's not that big of a deal. Well, that's the thing is, it, it, you can't go 100% back to normal. You you can do some things. Right. But, yeah. The, and, and it sucks because, like, I guess I'm frustrated because all the stuff that I like doing, concerts. Yeah. Right? Like, that's not coming back for a long time. Yeah. Although, I don't want to go to a drive-in concert. Really? Not really. Hmm. Maybe if it was the right band. But. Yeah. I, I, I think the drive-in part would just be so strange staring at something through a windshield. Yeah, unless you get out of your car. Yeah. It's very confusing. Yeah. I don't know. It's I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it all goes. I, at times. some point I will probably just give in and say I'm doing it. Woo! Woo! And it'll be fun, probably. Maybe like the the uh the souvenir stand instead of selling like concert t shirts, it's like cart car Carson. <laughs> um concert like window shades for That'd your be car so funny. or license plate frames yeah. that said I went to this yeah, concert. Yeah. That would be hilarious. Uh, yeah, I don't know. And, and it's, you know, I, I would imagine that a lot of these smaller kind of bands and stuff aren't going to be doing anything. There's been a lot of rad, like, concerts from home and stuff, which have been pretty cool. Yeah. To get to listen to music at the house. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm I'm both over it and not. Like, I get it. And I, you know, it's going to be a while. Yeah. That is definitely true. Yeah. Until That's we get a vaccine, I guess, right, is really the only way to sort this out. And poor New Zealand. No cases. They were all excited. And then here it comes again. Didn't they have like two cases or something? Oh, I don't know. I don't know if they had yeah. any more. I think they did. I think they were uh, had allowed some people to travel into the country or something. And it's Sorry, they had that. those two cases executed. They're back to zero now. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that's what they did. Maybe they, they have How dare you try to infect this country? Yeah, right? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not totally certain. But at any rate, uh, well, I, I don't have anything else to add today. Do you? No, nope, I want to get home, get barbecue, and get on yeah, with the rest Father's of my Father's Day. You got to go cook. I'm going to, um, you know, not do that. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Thanks for being here. As normal. As normal. <laughs> Later, dude. Later. Bye. You've been listening to the Ungrown Ups podcast, and for this, we apologize. <laughs>